Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 55 of Game Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my wormling friend, Ben Bumhopper. How you doing, Ben? I am doing absolutely fantastic. I am not even going to, uh, you know, stretch out this intro very, very much tonight because we have so much to talk about. Holy crap. We hate, we do have so much to talk about. Um, I'll, I'll just kind of give a little rundown before we go in. So um, with Fizzbands coming out soon, uh, sadly, not next week. No. But the week after it got de- it, it and Strixhaven both got delayed by by a week or two. So they're, they're coming out a little later. Not surprising. There's a big global <laughs> supply chain <laughs> crunch going on right now. Oh, my gosh. There's a lot you, of things out of people's hands. Have you seen some of the aerial photos of the ocean with all of the, the cargo ships just kind of waiting? It's it's pretty, pretty wild. Yes. Pretty wild. But in honor of Fizzbands, we are going to be doing a special Monster Fixer dragon edition which should be super fun i'm very excited to talk about that uh we'll talk about a few of the different chromatics and how you might could spice them up a little bit for your games then we're going to talk about the tabaxi race Mm -hmm. uh just briefly uh and why they are kind of cool and maybe why you should be a cat person in your next campaign and then there is a lot of supplemental stuff we have a new unearthed arcana that's got uh, multiverse travelers of the multiverse races. So neat in them. Super cool. There's a there's a brand new announcement uh, of the next Wizards book that's coming next March. And then we've got some really cool uh, community stuff. So we'll kind of go through that. Um, but first off, let's jump into our Monster Fixer Dragon Edition. And in this one, we're going to talk about both red and black dragons. We decided to go the chromatic route because as cool as metallic dragons are, very rarely will you actually be fighting them. Yeah, unless you're playing an evil party, which, I mean, does happen. But at the same time, for the most part, you're looking at chromatic, which they'll fight anybody, really. Yeah, yeah, I, like you said, it, it does happen. Uh, you you might fight against one for one reason or another. You might uh, have one as an ally. And mm-hmm. sure, if you have one as an ally, you as a DM want cool stuff that they can do. And we will hit them at some point for sure. Definitely. But right now, we decided red and black uh, were a good starting point from a chromatic standpoint because you are, in all likelihood, going to be fighting chromatics a lot more often than you're going to be fighting Yes. So um let's let's start with uh let's start with black dragons. Ben uh and, and again we've we've said this so many times. Dragons are boring. They're generic. They have claw, bite, tail attacks. They have a wing buffet as a legendary action and then they have a breath weapon. Mm-hmm. And it never fails. <laughs> Chromatics have a single breath weapon and then um, metallics switch it up a little bit and they have a dual breath weapon that you can pick one or the other but overall it's it's pretty generic for something that is 50% of the name of the game so let's let's spice these up a little bit especially because 
it seems like, and we were just talking about this before we started recording um, about layer actions. Layer actions are super cool. Uh, they can add a lot of uh, interesting extras. But we were we were talking about how dragons should be cool even when they're not in their layers. They are these primal elemental magical forces. Yes, exactly. You should be able to do more. I mean, if you really think about it, dragons, when they're not in their layers, are just there. They'll take a little bit of beating and then fly away. What if they had so much more in their arsenal to just, you know, lay waste to what's around them? And, you know, again, just be so much more fearsome than just, okay, my my two claws and my bite actually deal more damage because I'm an ancient dragon. Now, let's go with... Oh, you don't want to be around these because they do some horrifying stuff. Exactly. So let's talk about all the horrifying stuff that we've come up with. Uh, let's start with the the black dragons, Ben. What yeah. what would you do to spice up your your black dragon fight? Well, okay. So black dragons are all about you know like acid. They're all about brutality. They're all about just like being just very very fearsome. So. I immediately went with, well, they have acid, like, you know, their acid breath. Let's just full on alien them and give them acid blood as well. Oh, heck yeah. And I just thought this would be really great because, hey, you're a barbarian. You've got a giant sword. You run in and you slash at a uh, a black dragon. And as soon as you slash into it, blood spurts out, causing acid damage to you. I mean, immediately right there. Again, we've talked about this before in combat. You're looking at three, four rounds of combat, maybe five if you're lucky. Well, this will actually give you potentially more rounds of combat because you can't just go all out and expect to live if you're constantly taking damage from this as well. Now, obviously, you don't you don't want it to be like just this fountain of, of acidic blood shooting out. So, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it, this isn't Kill Bill or, you know, like a really awesome Kung Fu movie. Um, no, you know, give it the the blood spurts out. Give, uh, you know, it's kind of a low DC depending on, you know, what what uh, level your character or your party's uh, running around at. And even if you want, you can add deck save in there to either cut the damage or make them miss entirely. Um, but I just love the idea that any anytime you're piercing, anytime you're actually causing that damage, uh, whether it's slashing, piercing or or. Heck, even a spell that, you know, does some sort of uh, of, you know, breaking the skin in some form. It'd be really cool if that kind of just splashed out and it, it was just an extra bit of danger because, again, terrifying creatures right there in front of you. I think that's a great model that you could use for, honestly, all the chromatics. Yeah. Right. That all the chromatics are based off of this like elemental power you've got like the lightning with the blues you got the poison with the greens the acid with the blacks the fire with the with the reds Mm -hmm. um and then the freezing cold with the with the whites that is totally something you could easily carry over to any of them yeah as their blood is very elemental based so you get these different effects that potentially happen as you're slashing into them and blood is splattering all of them. Exactly. And I mean, you know, dragons by nature are very magical as we talked about before. And you, you, you just said what, two minutes ago. So it makes sense that 
with the elemental nature, with the magical nature, with everything that's kind of tied together, that they're not going to be just, you know, flesh and bone like everything else in the world. So giving that that little extra bit just, again, makes it a little bit more terrifying and a little bit more dangerous so that, you know, it causes your players to kind of think a little bit more on their feet about what's going on. Yeah, agreed. Um, One of the first things I thought of uh, when I was thinking of what would be a fun extra was uh, acid rain, Ooh. like an area of effect that deals a small amount of acid damage in a large area continually. Mm-hmm. And so then this is something that you can either try and ignore because the black dragon's immune. He doesn't care. Yeah. Uh, you're most likely not immune. So that might potentially make, some some players have to think oh okay what terrain am i in is there cover here or there to get out of the rain um and maybe just kind of shake the the battlefield up a little bit or make your players think a little more strategically or slowly whittle them down via attrition by this this acid rain that's that's going on and potentially you could use legendary actions or something to keep it going from round to round Mm -hmm. as kind of a a, like a you know i have to use all three or two of my legendary actions to start this thing up and then it takes one legendary action around to basically keep this this thing going so you could have you could have something you know something cool like that and just add another battlefield element but not necessarily in your lane well, and the neat thing, too, is that any sort of cover that there is, whether it's, you know, underneath trees, maybe like a, a small building or something like that, who says the dragon can't destroy that, giving them even fewer options of places to hide? So Dynamic battlegrounds. Exactly. You know, just red faction this whole thing up and destroy the entire thing, you know, and make it an actual present threat. Because a lot of times, especially if you have a big open space and there are you know, kind of crowd control effects going on where it's like, okay, well over here, this is where my, my stench cloud is. Well, after the first turn, even if you're holding up, up concentration on who's going to stay in that. If you have an acid rain kind of going on, even if there's cover around, continue that going and start, you know, destroying that sort of cover. It actually becomes something that's effective and meaningful to the actual experience. Yeah. You could do something. You could just do something huge. This is a 300 foot radius. Yeah. This is, this is, this is big. Like you're not going to just step out of this. So you have to now as a party strategically figure out how do I deal? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, What, what else you got? Well, make it more interesting. I kind of went, you know, very kind of visceral in there going with the, again, just the brutal and cruel nature of the black dragons. And I just did something incredibly simple. And just added a spiky tail. You know, it's just, it's a tiny thing. You get your, your, your tail damage and everything, but you know, there's also some piercing damage that can go in there, you know, maybe impaling uh, a, a player character on your tail, whipping them around, doing something along those lines, you know, just by altering the, the, you know, makeup of the dragon, just the tiniest of bits. Cause I mean, black dragons do have those great horns too, you know, why not have something spiky at the end of their, their body? Yeah, for sure. Um, 
one other thing I was kind of thinking of is why not build in minions? Hmm. Right? Yeah. Uh, why not? These are these are very powerful creatures. They're very magical creatures. Um, but at at the same time, as as most DMs know, single creatures, even with legendary actions, can many times be at a disadvantage to a full party with full, you know, eight plus actions yeah. or whatever, or eight plus attacks that they can do every single round. So a lot of times it's really good when you do these fights uh, to have some extra combatants that they either have to focus on or that can help out your, your big bad in this case, a dragon mm -hmm. and dragons are all very smart. Uh, very seldom would a dragon come at uh, a party solo unless it knows or it believes it knows that it can be victorious, right? So why not have another recharge type, either, you know, action or multi multi legendary action type thing that summons an acid elemental? Ooh. It'd be very easy to make. You could take the stats of uh, one of the existing because the, there's baseline existing, you know, fire, earth, water, and air elementals. You could easily kind of copy and paste your favorite change uh, the damage around to acid reflavor a few things boom you got an acid elemental with almost no work i'd say even more so uh go with a water elemental and then uh with its whelm property give it the digestive properties of a gelatinous cube oh heck yeah it's super cool and terrifying, actually. And yeah, terrifying, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want this, but it's, this big blob of, of uh, sentient acid to come after me and just engulf me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just another thing to add to the battlefield and another thing to potentially split the party's attention against this black dragon. Um, and... Then, you know, not something it can do every single turn, mm -hmm. not something that it can do and then do a full range of attacks, but something that it can do to kind of try and turn the battle. In its exactly. And I mean, overall, it just adding those little minions again just opens up combat a lot more. Um, if you've got three people dealing with that and two people dealing with the dragon, you have a longer combat session. Um, it's more interesting. And then. Oh no, what happens when the second one pops up? You know, it, it's like, um, you know, you and I, we, we, we've uh, also come from like a video game background and how there's, you know, like different mechanics that kind of push a fight. This would be like a soft enrage where if they're not taking care of these minions, then they either need to get out of dodge or, you know, focus fire and get those things down. Because if you're overwhelmed by just the minions <laughs> themselves, you know, there is no win against the dragon. Exactly. And I, I, I love I love that type of thing. Just and, and we've talked about this before in kind of encounter design, but looking to video games or looking to these like these raids or these boss mechanics or these uh, phased things mm -hmm. is not a bad thing. It can actually make your fights way more interesting if you look at encounter design from a video game standpoint. Exactly. But with the freedom 
that unlimited imagination offers. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's Black Dragons. Uh, hopefully some cool stuff, some interesting stuff, uh, some stuff that'll make your, your players hate us. Uh, let's jump over to reds now. So Ben, what do you, what do you got for reds? These are, these are the biggest and baddest Mm -hmm. of the chromatics. So obviously we need to make some really cool things. Yeah. I've got a few different things here. And again, it's, it's, um, kind of similar to some of the stuff that we have with the black dragon, but you know, kind of tilted more towards the flavor of a red dragon, which is of course fire. Um, now I was just kind of bashing on like stink cloud that you throw out there and it just doesn't go away. But I thought a red dragon, yeah, it's got its breath weapon, but you know, just because it's not spitting fire doesn't mean that its breath isn't still something that could be dangerous. And I thought about like a sulfur breath, like it, it breathes out this noxious breath that is suffocating to any of the players who are in there, but it lingers, it stays. It's not anything that's concentration. It's just there. If you drop enough of that, you know, cause I mean, if you think about it, you go inside a, a, a volcano, you're going to have that, those noxious gases. You're not able to actually breathe in there anyway. So if you can just kind of put that, and, uh, you know, have it just being heavied and weighed down and, and just kind of in the area. You can, again, uh, do some crowd controlling effects with that, but also, you know, just cause some damage and, you know, make areas not exactly safe and, and, and do what you can to kind of move players around that way. Oh, for sure. I think that's that's a great idea. And, you know, me, one of the things I like to do most when I'm doing designs is designing things that will shake out the battlefield. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times, especially if you're using like battle maps and stuff, they're super open and you're, you're very limited to, to what you can use. Yeah. Like you can design really well-made like virtual tabletop battle maps or, or 3d in-person battle maps or whatever. Um, but a lot of the times just for ease, it's easier to just leave the battlefield mostly open. Mm-hmm. And then you worry about fighting the thing. There's a lot of really interesting stuff that can come from changing the battlefield around or or forcing movement or forcing um, players to have to think on their feet. Yeah. Because it can make those battles far more memorable and much more interesting than I'm going to stay in one spot because there's zero reason that I need to move from here. Exactly. I have I'm a ranged ranged attacker. I'll just stand behind by this tree or, you know, to the, the far right of the map that you give <laughs> that you've given me and just shoot or whatever, because I don't have no reason to move anywhere else. So one of the things I was thinking of is these are these huge, powerful, primal elemental forces. Let's do something like lava ruptures. And so the red dragon, depending on its its age and, you know, and size and whatnot, gets a certain number of these lava ruptures it can create and it can create them anywhere within you know, a fairly large radius and the rupture size would 
depend on you know age and stuff so you could uh, a young red might be able to do just smaller like five by fives or something like that and you could do like little diagonal lines or whatever whereas an, an adult or an ancient might be able to do 10 by 10s or 20 by 20s mm -hmm. in in jagged lines or just diagonal format or just you know different formations or whatever and control the look a lot more but essentially you can spawn x number of these ruptures of lava and then you give your players a deck save if he's they, the, the dragon spawns them under them mm -hmm. or you know they take x amount of damage you keep it you keep it reasonable as it's just opening up type damage but then you can actually use real lava damage if you want to or you can pull, just be cruel. Put that into yeah. play yeah yeah <laughs> but then these are permanent fixtures on the battlefield while the dragon is alive and in the area and all of a sudden now you've got these lava pools that you've got to navigate around. Well, and then from a dragon standpoint, oh, Wing Buffet becomes much more interesting. Oh, so much so. So much so. Well, okay, so I'm going to add on top of that just a tiny bit. Not only does it you know stick around during the battle, you could actually use this to change just a region around. You know, like let's say a dragon's attacking a city or a small town or something like that. Oh, well, guess what? The tavern is no longer good because this fissure opened up and lava spewing in it and stuff. You know, I'm all for um, the, the things that the adventurers do, making a mark on the world or the continent or whatever it is. Um, like in mine, you know, they brokered peace between a, a farming community and orcs. Now they, they it's a co-op. They work together. Why not have this amazing dragon fight turn a town actually into just a burning heap of it. I mean, it's kind of a bummer for the people who live there, but again, you're, you're adding more dynamic to this, this fight that could have been something that's just, you know, very boring to begin with, with just bite claw claw and potential after effects. Exactly. Of the battle. Yeah. Imagine too much of these fissures open up you've got to evacuate the town because all of a sudden the ground's unstable or volcanoes forming underneath it or something like that. You know, just go with it and just blow it up even more. No pun intended on that, but, you know, just take the idea and just, just grow it. I like that. That's really cool. So uh, speaking of, uh, you know, kind of controlling the battlefield and everything and, uh, you know, having characters move around to do stuff, I thought that I would give a red dragon a bonus action and I'm going to totally full off of, or pull off of a, what? a monster with a bonus action, I know, right? Because Wild. I Wild. figured in the course of, of six seconds, dragons got to breathe. So we're giving it a deep breath. Now this is a red dragon. So it's breathing in and um, I don't know if you know how fire works, but it requires air. And a red dragon truth, truth. is this, you know, very fiery beast. So I was thinking bonus action, deep breath in and just emanates heat to, to five or 10 feet radius around the dragon. And, you know, if a character starts their turn there, they take some some heat damage. You know, you have to decide if you need to stay in there, if you need to move. Do you provoke an opportunity attack or just take that heat damage? 
And it's just something that I thought, hey, it, it could be an every other turn thing where this bonus action, they're they're exhaling, you know, something along those lines. It It's just, again, something tiny, something that just affects right around them. But it makes um, this or it, it causes the, the players to make decisions on what's potentially more damage, a, a uh, uh, opportunity attack, which would get rid of their reaction or stay in the fire. Yeah. Well, not no, the fire, I'd, but yeah, you know what I mean? The, the heat. Exactly. You can't stand the heat. Get out of the dragons. dragon. yeah no that totally it's dynamic movement right dynamic movement and speaking of that uh that's kind of one of the other things i was thinking of um summoning burning meteor rocks like you might go ryan that's just meteors yeah and i would say yes it kind (laughs) of is (laughs) Yeah, but you could easily, a, a red dragon easily could have a version of that spell that is specifically catered to the dragon, summoning X amount of these large burning rocks that you could then try and, you know, make to hit rolls. Mm-hmm. And if you hit, you land on the target that you were trying for. And if you don't hit, depending on how far away from the AC of that player you get, it hits five feet per AC you missed or something like that. The rock slams to the ground and then next round, it blows up in a 10 foot radius, (laughs) showering fire and rocks. It's it, it, another just another battlefield thing and another thing to make your your players uh, wary because uh, ha ha you missed me. <laughs> yeah, for my uh, for my projectile, I just went with something real stupid and simple, and it's molten spit. <laughs> the dragon just spits at something that's like twenty feet away or something like. So that. it has a ranged attack beyond. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but beyond, beyond beyond its breath. breath. Yeah, it just you know I. Again, they're shooting fire from their mouth. Their spit's got to be pretty hot, <laughs> whether it's actually like molten or whatever. I just, yeah, you know, give them range because yeah, that doesn't give them some range stuff. Again, dragons are great. They're so much fun if you know what to do with them. So why make them always have to move to other targets so that, you know, you provoke an opportunity attack, especially with someone who has a sentinel feat. It's a freaking dragon. Let them attack at range. Yeah, or at least start at range for a little while. Yeah. Until their breath doesn't recharge, then they have to get in the get in the thick of it. Like that that um all the stuff we talked about, you could have on recharges mm-hmm. very easily. Oh, very you much. You could so. have you could have them on one use a day or two uses a day or one use per short rest or you know, whatever. Just remember, combat is only going to be on average three to five rounds. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to like, you don't have you. It's, it's okay to put some of these things on like a one X use or a two X use, because guess what? That's about all you could 
use it for anyways. Exactly. During the battle, especially if you want some variety. So it's especially with these types of things, you want some cool stuff that you can do every round. Mm hmm. Save save the legendary actions for like the biting and the clawing or you know whatever. Let the dragon's turn be dramatic and big and explosive. Yep. Let it be when grand. it's actually doing. Yeah. Let it be grand when it's actually doing its turn. Use some legendary actions for bite or claws or tails or wing buffets or whatever. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. Fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh beware if uh you fight dragons in either of our campaigns, apparently. Yeah, who knows what they're gonna be, <laughs> gonna be gonna be a little more interesting. Uh but yeah, uh if you as always, if you have um any suggestions or if you have monsters that you're gonna be playing with sometime soon that you would like us to to go over and do some monster fixture editions on. Hit us up on Twitter. Shoot us an email. Ben, of course, as always, will give all the info that you'll need to, to get into contact with us at the end of the show. We'd love to hear from you because this is one of the segments we enjoy doing most. It's it's so much fun to just be creative and think about cool things these monsters could do during combat beyond the the ordinary. Exactly. Yeah, fun stuff. Yeah. All right, so next we are going to talk for just a little bit about the tabaxi race. And these, these, I guess, cat people. I guess that would be the word. <laughs> these cat people are super cool, and they've got a lot of interesting stuff. So, Ben, why don't you tell us just a little bit about tabaxis? Okay, well, they are cat-like humanoids. Um, and one of the neat things about it is, is that they they're not just like, Hey, you know, I'm just a dude shaped like a cat. No, they actually have, uh, at least in the, uh, not the player handbook in Voldo's, uh, guide to monsters. This is where you can find the tabaxi. Um, they have very interesting traits that kind of fit in with, you know, like a cat like being now. I mean, you, you have a pet cat. I've got a pet cat. We understand that, you know, they're interesting. They're, they're incredibly curious. They're always trying to kind of look at and get into things that they have no, no need to be anywhere near all the time. Yes. All the time. This is how they are. Um, and that's kind of how tabaxi are again, at least based on how it's you know written out in the book. Um, of course, as always, uh, this is just kind of what the suggested kind of idea behind the mark. Play it how you want, because that's the best thing about D&D. But some of the neat stuff about this is that they are very interested in just the things that are, well, interesting to them. Um, while a tabaxi might not be, you know, super into riches and everything, they see them as a way to, like, get food, to... Um, find new lore and stories to, to find things that are just interesting and new. And it's one of the neat things that I absolutely love about them. You know, like they like to, to, to talk to people, to learn more about them, to, to basically unravel any sort of mystery that they find and come across. Um, in fact, one of the, the things that jumped out at me is that, yeah, they, they might actually have, you know, like, um, you know, some sort of treasure or something like they might be, uh, holding on to this gem and they're just staring at it and looking at it. And 
it's not because of the wealth, but it's because of the, the, the cut because of, you know, every single facet, the color that's in it, you know, they're, they're looking more as, I don't know if like experience is the right word, but you know, just, just an understanding of it as opposed to the wealth that it could actually bring them. And it's something that I found incredibly cool about them. And you know, it's just the whole idea that curiosity kills the cat, but with tabaxi, that curiosity is kind of what gives them, uh, you know, sort of a purpose and what keeps them going. And I love, and that you've movie. actually got some experience even playing one. Oh you yeah. Played one in our original, uh, campaign one of plus five yeah yeah i was uh shizu kokishin um a, a tabaxi monk and he had a just a, a huge love of the outside world and and was very interested in all these new things and experiences and of course you know he was very much wanting to be you know a hero and and, and help people and stuff but there were mysteries going on that he wanted to figure out and i, I had a ton of fun playing him in fact I'm I'm really sad that I'm not still playing him because he was just really neat to, to kind of, you know, jump in and inhabit for a while. Had a lot of well, fun with I, that. A lot of their a lot of their traits do lend um it, like like we've talked about before with the new um more lineage uh system where you can kind of pick your own mm-hmm. uh, ability score increases. It really opens a lot of um different races up to playing not that you couldn't before but not being i guess typecast yeah to to more specific classes which is cool but there are certain uh tabaxi traits that will lend towards certain classes more of course uh rogues are kind of the classic tabaxi thing uh but monks Mm -hmm. as well um very very good for monks with the extra base walking speed with the dark vision, with the feline agility that lets you double your speed (laughs) that combined with a monk. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So that right there. Okay. Feline agility is something that's just absolutely amazing. It's the, the whole thing is, is your reflexes and agility lets you have a a burst of speed uh, when you move. Uh, on your turn in combat, you can double your speed till the end of your turn, which means that <laughs> if you're whatever level monk I was where I had a 40 speed and I did my movement and then my action, I, I dashed. And then on top of that, my bonus action is spent a key point and did uh, the, the, the movement as well. The step of the wind. Yeah. Yeah. Step of the wind. Thank you. And then you double that. That is 240 feet in six seconds. And I, when I first read that and figured that out, I'm like, this is broken. So I, I talked to our DM, Brian, and he said, no, if it says you can do that, sure, you can do that. And I'm like, okay. I, th- I never did it in combat, but I think like once or twice, I just, just charged off into the you know, into the, the wild blue yonder. And then the thing is, is once you use a trait, you can't use it again until you move zero feet on one of your turns. So you can have this huge dash way to turn huge dash. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. And then of course you'll, you get your claws on mm-hmm. top of that for some extra unarmed strike. If you, you're happen to be without a weapon, um, 
uh, you get a natural climbing speed, which most people don't have, mm-hmm. which is which is pretty cool because if in the situations you do need to do climbing, uh, most uh, characters are somewhat uh, hindered by climbing just because it I believe it just counts automatically as difficult terrain. Yeah. Uh, when you're when you're climbing. So having an actual climbing speed is a is a really big deal. Yeah. Now, uh, one other thing, too, that, uh, you know, kind of falls in is the tabaxi names. Now, normally it's kind of determined um, around like astrology, prophecy, history and just kind of different factors uh, along with their clan name, which is kind of based on the geographical feature of where the clan is like uh, a clan name might be distant rain because it's from a place where there's a lot of rain, uh, whereas the name itself might be like cloud on the mountaintop. Because, again, it has to do with kind of where you're born and stuff. But that's if you don't want to be traditional. Obviously, I very much wasn't when I made my tabaxi. Because, you know, I went with something that that mattered and meant something to me and what he actually represented. But, yeah, I just it's a really cool race. And the fact that they are super, like, inquisitive and curious and stuff to me it it makes the perfect personality type for like kind of a wild-eyed adventure going out into the world yeah for sure it was and you can you can go check out our the the first campaign of of plus five if you want to you want to see ben play play tabaxi a little bit but they are they're tons of fun and there's a lot of great rp opportunity oh so much in a in a character like that so if you haven't checked them out before Check them out. They're super cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. So next we have uh, our, basically our wizards check in and we've got <laughs> two new things. The first off is the unearthed arcana that just recently came out called travelers of the multiverse. And this playtest document presents a collection of new races that I, just from this, uh, we potentially might see these in Morden Kanan's um, Guide to the Multiverse. I don't remember the exact. Thing. I want to say Multiverse of Madness, like but I'm like Multiverse no, that's of Doctor Madness. Strange. Yeah, yes, that's that's the Marvel <laughs> movie that I'm excited for. But yeah, uh, the the new book that's coming uh, early next year, along first off in the in the re- retooled pack of Player's Handbook. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and the the dungeon master's guide and then as a standalone book shortly thereafter um so it's possible some of these could be in that it's possible as a lot of people have pointed out we might get a spell jammer setting book Mm -hmm. uh that is one that i know a lot of people are looking forward to um and a lot of these races would fit in there so there's a lot of speculation about that as well but this document includes the Astral Elves, which are elf denizens of the Astral Plane who are likely thousands of years old. Auto Gnomes, which is a <laughs> completely mechanical gnome gifted with free will. The GIF, which are hippo-headed humanoids, essentially, that are massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to say this right hadoozy i'd say hadoozy hadoozy highly adaptive simian being who uses wing-like membranes to glide so basically spider monkeys yeah spider monkeys plasmoids which are 
amoebas. Giant <laughs> ooze amoebas. And then three cream, which are six-limbed telepathic insectoids. Oh, no, not spider monkeys. What am I thinking of? Sorry. Anyways, don't mind me. I Sugar gliders? Yeah, sure. We'll go sugar gliders. Something like that. But monkey squirrels, Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the most interesting collective of races and and remember personally i'm from 5e only but this is this is the most interesting like collective of like playtest races i've ever seen mm-hmm. it is it is wild wild stuff it it's you know what it's all out there it's different and i'm all for it i mean like, I thought that the, the turtles were an amazing, like, oh, that's a really far out there race. But, oh, no, we're going, like, real weird here. And, I, I mean, I'm not talking about the astral elf. That that alone is kind of crazy just because they're elves that live in the astral plane, which there's no time. So they don't technically age. So, yeah, they could be thousands of years old, which imagine what the per- or what that does to your perspective on life or mortal races or anything along those lines like we've kind of already touched on that when we talked about elves but imagine that tenfold i love that i think that's a yeah. really cool idea that'd be a super interesting like character point of view mm-hmm. for sure um and then auto gnome like we have warforged yeah from from Everon. So we've got some kind of mechanical, you know, free will. But this is basically like something that's made and given free will. Like you can actually heal it with mending. Yeah. Which is super interesting. Yeah. But yeah. Mean, like th- this is your Pinocchio before he becomes a real boy. Yeah. Yeah. You got hippo people. <laughs> Which is I, cool. that, like it, it's interesting. Like the gift don't have many racial traits. Like your size is medium. You're humanoid. Your walking speed is 30 feet and you have a swimming speed equal to your walking speed. So because hippo, yeah. I guess. But then you but can then just destroy stuff. You've only got two traits. And I assume there's only two because of how powerful they both are. Because their first trait, which is damage dealer, literally lets you re-roll a one rolled on a damage die once a turn. Yeah, for a melee attack. So that means not an unarmed attack, like you would, you know, kind of think. Yeah. A melee attack. So imagine melee being attack. imagine being a barbarian with this. Get those D12s. Yeah. Get those D12s going. Uh, and then you have automatic. Advantage on strength-based ability checks and strength-saving throws. Mm-hmm. Just period, always. Yeah. Because cause you're big. <laughs> and so of that's, course, yeah, that's uh, you, you count as large when you're carrying stuff. And then plasmoids, creature type. You are an ooze. That's, that's <laughs> what it said. You, you are an ooze. I don't know what to think about, like... Like, that would be just so interesting to, like, play. Like, you can, you've got shape self, which means you can reshape your body to give yourself a head, one or two arms, one or two legs, and makeshift hands and feet. 
you could be walking around as this like semblance of a, a humanoid <laughs> blob thing, but then you can also be a blob. Yeah, but on top of that too, if you can work with your DM and your DM kind of goes along with it, hey, why aren't you just Odo from DS9 and you can just shape change into other stuff too? Why not? Like you're a you're a news. Yeah. And if like, you have shape self, news. could you make yourself look like other people? I mean, I don't know. You, you probably it, need it, like I guess it would depend on, on that. Like Yeah, it would depend on what you look like. Like you don't have skin. Yeah, like you're not a changeling or anything, but Yeah. You know, from a distance in the yeah, dark. From a distance. You can, with a makeup kit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As long as the ooze doesn't like just kind of suck up the makeup. <laughs> like yeah, you're, you're yeah. using one of the, those makeup sponges and it just sucks up ooze instead. <laughs> oh, God. Like, oh, I'm losing some of my skin here. <laughs> but yeah, and then you have like the, the three cream, which this is super interesting. Secondary arms. You have two slightly smaller secondary arms below your primary pair of arms. Secondary arms function like your primary arms with the following exceptions. You can use a secondary arm to wield a weapon that has the light property, but you can't use a secondary arm to wield any other kinds of weapons, and you can't wield a shield. See, that's cool, but the chameleon carapace is what I think is really cool. You you change the color and texture of your carapace to match your surrounding areas. It gives you advantage on stealth checks made uh, you know, to hide in those surroundings. That's cool. There's a lot of really cool stuff in here. Yeah, for I'm, sure. I'm excited. Very for unique. All this. Very unique. So now the one downside about uh, anything in Anarthurkana um, that we need to toss out is that it isn't available in D&D Beyond anymore. Remember how they, they did that change uh, a while ago to make sure that they could focus on the actual content that is definitely going into the system. So if you need this, um, we will have a link to the uh, uh well, a link to it so that you can actually get the information and use it as a supplement yourself to kind of play test and play around with it. Um, and Hey, if you play any of these races, let us know what you think. And, you know, just the different things that uh, kind of pop up as, uh, you know, uh, problems or advantages or things that you think that, Hey, maybe wizards didn't really think too hard on this one or something. You know, you, you never know um, what the creativity of players can actually come up with in the moment. So I'm I'm really yeah. looking forward to the to seeing uh, how these actually shape up and and go out. Yeah, and we'll you'll probably see at least some of these in some form next year. Yes, and and whatever whatever releases come. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, the astral elf will definitely be there. You think so? It's the easiest one to implement because they already have like <laughs> five hundred <laughs> other types of elves. True. True. Uh, and speaking of other releases, we just had uh, this week our first reveal of um, the next. I guess uh, you got Morgan Hayden's coming, which is a semi new book since it's got some redone stuff. But a lot of it mm-hmm. is just compiled existing stuff. But you have our the brand new book coming out March 15th. Uh, and it's not what I expected. It is Critical Role. Official call, official critical role, call of the nether deep. And so this is a legitimate critical role adventure. And it actually on the product, it says a D and D product created in partnership with critical role. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Um, so this is a critical uh, an adventure set in exandria uh the critical role world um that is for characters levels three through 12 so it's a full-on critical role adventure it takes place on the continent of marquette which is uh brand new to print uh critical role has a taldore campaign guide which is one of the Xandria continents that they released a while ago mm-hmm. uh it's out of publish right now but they're actually currently working internally with their darian to darian uh darrington publishing Prince. yeah uh to redo it and revamp it and add a bunch of stuff to it so that's that's coming soon but that's their their specific product whereas in D now um in partnership with Critical Role, they've released the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, which is mm-hmm. about the entire continent of Wildmount. And now we are getting a full-on, not setting book, but an adventure book that is just happens to be set on a brand new continent. That there has been actually very little official content for from yeah. a Critical Role standpoint. I believe they went to Marquette for a in short the, time, the if, first I, my, if memory serves, in the first campaign, yes. Yeah, they, they visited um, like twice. Yeah, it, but it wasn't a lot, and it was very specific areas. Mm-hmm. And so um, they'll be uh, – this this adventure is going to go the way through the Wastes of Jorhas, which is in Wildmount, uh, to the glimmering oasis city of Ankarel on the continent of Marquette. From there into the sunken realm of gloom, corruption, and sorrow known as the Nether. Yeah. It, it seems really cool. And on top of that, too, of course, with every single adventure, we're getting new creatures, new magic items and some cool NPCs. And, you know, if you listen to Critical Role, you know that some of the NPCs that come out of it are amazing. But even more so, some of those magic items that Matt crafts are just fun and also, you know, super powerful and story driven and there's a lot of stuff going on here that i am really looking forward to it's it's really cool that it's it's not just a setting because there'll probably be a lot of setting type stuff for for the continent of marquette in here Mm -hmm. and it's and i was uh kind of um making this connection the other day um when i was talking about it on twitter but they've already announced that campaign three which starts um, as of this recording next week, yep, on I the believe 21st. like the 21st. Yeah. 21st of uh, October is, is going to take place in Marquette on the continent of Marquette. And so it makes a lot of sense that Matt is basing campaign three in Marquette when he, <laughs> probably for the last year. Plus he's been working with a lot of other writers and artists on a partially set in Marquette adventure exactly and i mean if you think about it when the explorer's guide to wildmount came out um there was still a lot of stuff in there that were potential spoilers for campaign two so this could also have something along those lines um i highly doubt that the adventure that's in here is going to follow along campaign three of critical role but there will probably be similarities same places visited or at least things touched so if you know you're wanting to to kind of incorporate some of that stuff in your campaign. This is a really good place to to look. Yeah. Or if you're wanting a good starting point in Exandria and you're wanting to play in that 
roll, you now have an official adventure that you don't have to make a bunch of stuff up for. You can actually follow it through. And I like that it starts at level three. Yes. As well. Three is always the best place to start. I'm a big fan of that. Um, I usually try, even if I don't start there, I usually try to get to three fairly quickly Mm because that's, that's the level most classes really come into their own and all all classes have their subclass by then exactly um so i love that it's three to you know we're we're into tier three a little bit at level 12 so there should be some really interesting stuff so i'm excited i hope to maybe even run it at, at some point um That'd be cool maybe we'll have to we'll have to plus five it <laughs> take a look point. at our next interlude <laughs> yeah yeah um so yeah that'll be that'll be a lot of fun um and then jumping over to our community content, MCDM has been at it again, and they actually just released a playtest document for their brand new full-on 5e class called the Beastmaster. And it's not just the Beastmaster, it's actually rules for companions too. And so companions in this case being some sort of creature. Uh, and they have... The, the whole first part of the playtest document, and we'll have links to all this. You can actually go and sign up, download it, test it yourself if you've got a group or something, and then fill out their feedback form and send it to them because that's kind of why they're putting this out is to try and get more wide-scale feedback mm-hmm. before they, they publish this class and make it all uh, official and pretty and everything. Um, so the whole first part of the document is about companions and getting your own companion, and they have tons of stat blocks things like uh gelatinous cube owlbear mimic borg um hellhound like uh uh there's some some bird like there's just tons of different uh a giant frog <laughs> even there's there's just tons of different things and so the whole first part of it is about rules for a player having a companion character that happens to be some you know beast or or monstrosity or or something um and then the different sort of rules for scaling them and using them and a new system called ferocity which these are partial wild animals or wild monsters they're not tamed like the beast master mm-hmm. say of of the ranger and so they have this this special mechanic called ferocity that is used to power their attacks uh, they can go into this rampage state if they get too much ferocity, which causes you to lose control of them a little bit uh, and them to become a little bit more unpredictable. But beyond that, there are then rules for the Beastmaster, which synergizes, is a, is a full-on synergy with these uh, companion animals or creatures. Uh, and the whole class is focused around having that companion creature and doing different things with them and this bond and synergy and then being able to use their ferocity uh energy essentially to fuel different attacks of yours and do all sorts of cool stuff um i've read through the whole thing it's super interesting uh it's a very unique design it's definitely uh new play space that's not really encroaching or stepping on the toes of any of the current official classes. Um, it's got some 
Yeah, it's got some really neat mechanics. I love the ferocity mechanic, uh, the rampage mechanic. The uh, the actual class itself has a bunch of different um, perks it can take that let you do do different attacks with your companion and stuff as you go. So it's 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 really cool. Um, I think they've they put a lot of you can tell they put a lot of work and a lot of thought into this. And uh, while there's, it's still rough around the edges in spots, it's, it is a beta. Um, I could definitely see it being a very interesting uh, class to try and play. Yeah. And I mean, uh, even going away from the Beastmaster, like kind of looking at the caretaker again, this kind of works really well for, you know, a, a companion pet that the the adventuring group, you know, kind of befriends or rescues or something along those lines. You know, um, w- one of the things that uh, I had issues with is always, OK, well, you know, I don't want to throw 20 pets on onto the board, which I shouldn't have given my players two bags of tricks. But that's beside the point. <laughs> um, that's actually mostly taken care of at this point. But anyways, um, I like the idea of. You know, oh, no, they, they killed um, a, a warg and, uh, oh, it, it has a puppy or, you know, a, or a baby warg or, or something. And then so they can adopt it and, you know, turn into like, you know, the the mascot of the group and like, you know, someone's the caretaker of the pet and they can kind of command it and stuff. And, you know, it's not going to be the end all be all the greatest thing in the world, but it, it adds something to it as opposed to like, um, you know, a Beastmaster Ranger, which their turn is having, you know, the animal attack and stuff. You know, I, I like this a lot more as, you know, it being its own entity and the fact that they've got yeah. stat blocks and everything for, you know, some of these just really weird, you know, companions and stuff is really cool. And they put a lot of thought into it. And I really appreciate that. Like an Earth Elemental Companion. Wow. I just love Super the idea cool, of, right? of yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, you know, you're, you're walking around a desert and you pick up this little rock and it turns out to be a little baby earth elemental and then it starts growing up and stuff. And you know, it's your buddy and, and it's got an action things. that allows it to throw you. Yeah. You know, once it gets big enough, of course, Fastball uh, special. Yeah. I, I'm picturing everything as like a little baby that you adopt, but I mean, yeah, there, there's a lot of really cool stuff in here and, uh, we'll we'll have a link so that you can find the the download instructions and stuff. You know, take a look at it. It's pretty cool. Um, what's even better? A lot of these things could be mounts, which I love. I think it's absolutely great. Like a giant weasel. Who doesn't need a giant weasel? Yeah, mounts are fun. Yeah. Mounts are fun. And and uh, hilariously, since you know we're we're not actually advertising for them, I just love their their content. Um, one of the first issues of Arcadia actually had uh, mounted combat extra oh, rules, perfect. like fleshed out mounted combat rules. So um, you can easily just pick pick that up and have some nice thought out uh, mounted combat type rules that you could probably use in conjunction with this. Yeah. One thing I actually hope they add is a template for creating your own. That would be great. I mean, you can kind of look off the currently created ones and, and kind of see the patterns a little bit. But I would love for them to include like a here's the template for how to to make a, a companion type type creature. Exactly. I think you know, that'd be cool. Having like, um, you know, like a, a power level based on on the challenge rating of the creature, um, what sort of attacks or, or, or abilities it can do, 
you know, that you can kind of choose from or, or at least, um, you know, skin a, d- a different way and stuff. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. And th- this is a really neat thing that, you know, I, I would love to see it implemented into, you know, core mechanics. I think it'd be really great. Yeah, for sure. So like Ben said, we'll have the link, uh, com if you want to go check that out and, uh, look at it or play test it and give feedback. Um, The other thing I wanted to point out, uh, and this was a brand new subclass that was just recently released by uh, Pesto at Pesto Enthusiast on Twitter, uh, actually one of uh, MCDM's main testers. Uh, They've released a brand new wizard subclass called the Spell Shaper Wizard, and it caught my eye because it's 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 super interesting because the whole deal of it is changing like what a spell is and what a spell looks like. Like what if your fireball was a cube, right? And so it's, it's a very interesting um, twist on uh, the, the wizard class and doing spells. And it's got a lot of really fun, appropriate names it's even got a retainer character for use in MCDM strongholds and followers called the Mathemagician, mm-hmm. which the, we which we both absolutely loved. It's one of the best puns there is. Yeah, I think it's it originally was, uh, from The Simpsons, <laughs> but you know what? I'm still cool with it. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. Uh, so if that sounds interesting to you. Uh, we'll have a link to that as well. It's uh, I think it's being sold for like two ninety five or something like that. Uh, so if that's an if that kind of suits yeah. your fancy or you want another wizard subclass that kind of sounds interesting, like the whole thing is turn fireballs into cubes and bend lightning bolts around corners with this geometry themed subclass. So it sounds pretty cool. So if that's something that's interesting to you, uh, we'll have a link. Yeah, I think it's pretty neat. Um, so, yeah, make sure to check out uh, dndiscussions.com. We're going to have loads of links this uh, episode. Um but uh, it's where you need to go to find all the stuff that we're talking about. But we're finally out of links. Yes. Finally to the end of our show and the part where we get to talk a little bit about uh, some of the games we've been doing before we wrap things up. So Ben, do you, do you have anything, uh, anything recent? Not really that much to talk about in my own current campaign because I am moving. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a little hard to take the time to write out stuff and set up uh, maps and a whole bunch of other things when you don't have access to all of your stuff that you're doing things with because you're packing it all up to move. Um, That being said, the the other campaign that I do play in that's not plus five to hit. Um, we are, are still, it's been one of those campaigns where we've had long stretches in between just because, you know, real life is getting in the way a whole bunch. Um, we are, uh, still in doing our candle keep mystery, having fun with that. Uh, we are up in a tower going after some hags and we ran across some scarecrows. So we're in the middle of a tower. And there's a doorway and like five or six scarecrows are heading in towards this doorway. So I went ahead and lit a torch, ran out the back door, circled around and ended up lighting most of them on fire. (laughs) (laughs) And it was pretty fantastic. 
So that's fun. Yeah, that that's about it. Not a whole not not a whole ton to report on on the, that content. Just because, like I said, it, there's a lot of space in between games, and um, you know when we do get to play, we just kind of get in there, have some fun, and uh, yeah, having a good time. But good. good. That's how it should be. You, Ryan, are not moving, and I know sure. that you have been up to quite a bit. Quite a bit. Um. We're recording this actually on on a Friday night just because of scheduling and stuff, and it worked out well because I'm moving. Because <laughs> you're moving, uh, but my f- more normal Friday every other week Friday night game ended up moving to Monday, so I can't report on what's going to happen there because <laughs> I don't know yet. But my uh, uh, well, my second, I, I can tell you, cool stuff. Okay. Cool stuff. I hope so, and that's that's always the goal, right? cool stuff (laughs) but cool stuff certainly happened in my in my first campaign i run as the party infiltrated into the uh the outpost um full of mysterious magic and technology uh going through triggering some traps running headfirst in and trying to just pull open doors turns out you activate giant robots oh Uh, no so the last uh, the last session we had was a massive fight, uh, extremely uh, close, partially because they really weren't set up or prepared or ready for it, and they had they are still coming off the the orc attack from the the large mammoth pit <laughs> that they had fallen in slightly earlier in the day. Uh, and so we almost lost our barbarian almost went fully down. Um, one or two of the other members did go down as well, but were 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 picked back up and healed. Um, and it was, a uh, it was, a, it was a huge fight. Super, super fun. Uh, super interesting. They got to see the, and I, I threw the map up of the, the area of the, the whole kind of area of the outpost on, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of got to see what it is. Um, and now that they've dispatched, dispatched the robots um, or the mechanical constructs, uh, they're currently resting inside the wizard's tower that our wizard has this ring of rest uh, that I'll, every other day allows um, her to create a two-story tower. Uh, just made of whatever material uh, that the ground is made out of. Oh, uh, and they can kind of be whatever the t- two types of floors uh, she wants it to be within, like a you know a list. And mm-hmm. he gets this spectral servant. Um, it's not like in its own plane or anything. It's just it's an actual tower, but it's it's super cool. Um, and her spectral servant ended up being a furbolg named Octavius. So <laughs> now there's this spectral, you know, uh, slightly translucent furbolg named Octavius who takes care of them while they're <laughs> in the tower for the 12 hours that it exists um, every every two days uh, that it's available to be to be created. So they're resting there trying to figure out what they want to do. And we have the entirety of this outpost ready and waiting to be discovered and whatever cool traps and treasures and information might be, might be hidden inside. So I'm excited to, 
to kind of start exploring that over the next few sessions. That's really cool. It sounds like a lot of fun, and I'm really looking forward to hearing more about uh, what happens. Because now I do have a question though: did they raise the tower inside the outpost. They did. That's got to draw some attention. I mean, I'm th- that's just Ben thinking here. <laughs> the outpost is technically abandoned so far. All the stuff that's gotten them has been traps they've triggered. Like autom- or, automated or stuff. Automated stuff they've triggered that they either haven't checked on or just kind of run head headlong <laughs> into. So uh, as of right now, uh, like one of like the top floor is like a sleeping quarters and then the bottom floor is like a kitchen. Mm-hmm. So right now they're they're eating, they're resting, and hopefully their characters are learning a little bit of the lesson of Maybe I shouldn't charge in all the time without a plan. Well, hopefully they are learning something. (laughs) Well, everyone, uh, thank you so much for listening. That is going to be it from us for this episode. But of course, uh, before we go, Ben, why don't you tell everyone where we can be reached? You bet. Um, So if you want to send us a nice uh, story or, uh, you know, a, a long form bit of communication, you can always email us, send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com. We love he- reading about your stories. Um, and you know, we do get uh, quite a few adventures in, and I gotta say, just knowing that there's a lot of other people out there enjoying D and D just brings a, a, a bit of warmth to my heart and, and being able to share your stories is always something that I, I love. Um, if you're trying to reach us with something, you know, a bit more short form, say 280 characters worth, uh, you can always tweet out to us. We are at DN discussions. Um, now if you're looking for Ryan specifically, you can find him. He is at TBK Zord. If you're looking for me, I'm at Ben Bumhofer. Now here's something that's really cool. If you want to know why we feel like we have the the ability to speak about Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, aside the fact that we're both DMs and run a campaign, you can actually hear us playing in Plus 5 to Hit. It is a persistent campaign podcast that is out there. You can listen to it. Um, we are actually just picking right back up into Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. We're kind of starting in a, a Chapter 2 uh, arc going on. It's a good place to jump right in. Um, yes, we do have some past, but uh, the current episode that's out is uh, all about kind of like a recap of what you might have missed from the first few sessions or the the first uh, chapter of Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. So, and boy, do we have a doozy of an episode coming out soon. Oh my, I'm looking forward to continuing that game. Anyways, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's a really good time to jump in uh, and have fun with that. We'd love to, to have you uh, listen and uh, tell us what you think. So anyways, plus five to hit. Now, this podcast, though, DN Discussions, you can find every single episode on dndiscussions.com as well as on your podcast player of choice because, hey, that's how podcasts work. So, you know, if you like this one, it's the first one you've ever listened to, there are 54 other episodes you can check out. That's a lot. That is a lot. Yes. A lot of of episodes. Yeah, quite. Uh (laughs) Well, anyways, thank you again, everyone, so much for listening. Uh, It's been an absolute blast, as always, Ben, chatting with you. And until next time, we will see you soon. Yep. Be good to each other, and goodbye.